Hello and welcome back to Gentle Man, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna, I'm your host. Today I want to talk about male empowerment. There's a lot of rhetoric going around in the social dialogue right now about how disempowered men are and about how under threat men are and how under threat their ways of life and ways of being are. There's a real sense among certainly a a vocal population of men, it's hard to gauge exactly what percentage of men we're talking about here, but there's a real perception among a certain segment of men that they are losing their rights. And there's this kind of malignant disinformation, I believe, being spread around how women are edging men out or threatening their agency and their ability to just carry on like they've been used to. So the basic idea is that men are under threat, the male way of life is under threat, they are ceding their rights, losing their power, and basically there's this kind of um, we're being taken over or we're being displaced kind of mentality going on. Now, it rings surprisingly familiar when you talk about this wave of nationalism, which we've been seeing happen kind of around the same time, concurrently. Again, you see this rhetoric where people are stirring this up. There are people who are consciously stirring this rhetoric up in men in particular who are feeling disenfranchised, who are feeling disempowered. That ire is being stirred up and it's being pointed in the direction of immigrants, for example. When you think about it, it's a very similar rhetoric. You're feeling down on your luck. You're feeling like you're losing something. You're feeling like it's harder for you to be who you were used to being. And we're going to find a scapegoat for this. We're going to find someone to blame. And almost invariably, that someone to blame is going to be somebody with less privilege and ultimately with less power than you have. Now, it's kind of a, it's a familiar bully tactic where maybe you get chewed out by your boss and then you come home and you kick the dog. Or maybe your older sibling is picking on you, so then you turn around and you pick on your younger sibling. And so there's this kind of mentality going around of, well, I feel downtrodden. I feel diminished, and so I'm going to turn around and try to inflict that upon somebody else so I can regain some notion of my own power and my own agency. This kind of thinking, this kind of whipping people up into a fervor is occurring in multiple segments of society, but I really want to talk today about how men are processing this and what it looks like. So let's talk about this notion of men losing their power, and especially in the face of feminism and in the face of women gaining empowerment. First of all, I just want to say that empowerment is not a zero-sum game. It's not like if somebody who's not in your segment of society is gaining power, then you are necessarily losing it. So I want to dispel that notion right off the bat. It doesn't really work that way. Any particular person can be empowered, and it doesn't have to come at the expense of any other person. 
However, it really depends on what your definition of empowerment is. So if you feel empowered, for example, to just treat women any way you feel like, if you feel empowered to, and, and you feel like that's a right, if you feel like that's a right you have to be sexist, to be misogynistic, to objectify women and to have your way with them, then yes, you are losing power and you are losing rights in this current social tide because those particular kinds of power are being exposed as the, the faulty and horrible constructs that they are. They're being exposed as these unfair, horrible, demeaning, power-hungry habits that they really are. And so if that's how you view the world, if that's what your concept of rights are and power is, then I could see why you would feel threatened or challenged by the notion of having to give up that way of being. But what I want to highlight here is that this isn't empowerment, I think, in the truest sense of the word. When I think about what empowerment really means at its core, I think about having a fuller sense of yourself. It's about feeling capable in your abilities. It's about feeling like you can be effective in the world. It's about feeling like you get respect. It's about feeling mature and feeling like you're able to make good decisions. It's about being able to harness your skills and your abilities and your ideas to be able to do the things in the world that you want to do. This is a real kind of empowerment. And what I notice about a healthier conception of empowerment, which incidentally is what a lot of feminists, not all feminists, but I think the broad majority of feminists are talking about, is they're really focusing on women gaining access to things that men already have access to. And they're focusing on women gaining the kinds of agency that men have. You notice here that I'm not talking about women having more than men, or I'm not talking about women enslaving men, or I'm not talking about women swinging the power pendulum back over to them so that they can tyrannically rule over men the way men have done over women for millennia. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the kind of empowerment that brings somebody up the kind of empowerment which brings someone into a more just standing in society. It's the kind of empowerment which says, hey, you have these benefits and now I, I want them too, and I'm going to have them. And so this current shift in power that's happening right now, it's really not about men losing rights if you really look into it at all, and if you really think about it at all, men aren't losing their empowerment in any healthy sense of that word. It is only the unhealthy parts of it which are being stripped away or even just called into question, right? Because a lot of this stuff is being called out, but it's not necessarily just disappearing. What I want for people to understand is any man, for example, who finds himself thinking, well, I just used to be able to hit on anyone I wanted to, and you know, men used to be able to talk to women, and men used to be able to act like men, and now I can't do that anymore, and now I feel like I'm losing something. Now I feel like I'm just not allowed to be who I want to be anymore, and that feels like a big loss for me. If you find yourself thinking that, 
I really want to encourage you to just look at that and really look at where that feeling is coming from and really examine the entitlement which is there. Because if you take a closer look at it, it's not coming from a helping place. It's not coming from a play, from a mature place. It's not coming from a place that makes society better. It's not coming from a place that helps people pursue their own goals and their own happiness. It's me-focused. It's centered on what do I want? What can I get out of this situation? What can I get out of women? It's not a healthy or a productive place to be coming from. There are parts of the assertion around this that are just flagrantly untrue. Like people worrying that, for example, women having access to better jobs or better education or having more economic opportunity is going to somehow rob men of those same opportunities or that men are going to become the victims of affirmative action or that men are going to be down on their luck and they're going to be down and out. If you stop and actually look at it, there's nothing to that argument. It's totally fallacious. Maybe there's more competition. That's possible. Maybe you'll get a broader subsection of people in society who just have the same aspirations. And so maybe that will create a little bit more crowding in certain aspirational areas of, of your culture. But by no means are men necessarily seeding or sacrificing anything except ill-gotten gains is really what it is. That's really where I see the distinction that the thing that you're really losing is things that that you ultimately didn't earn in the first place. And I think that's really what I want to highlight here is that when men complain about what they're losing, it's oftentimes privileges that weren't earned. It's oftentimes privileges that really shouldn't have existed to begin with. Privileges that preserve an unbalanced, an unhealthy way of being. When you talk about meritocracy, I think that's really what we're getting at here now, granted, that concept is applied in many flawed ways, and I don't, I don't want to get mired in that whole discussion right now, but suffice it to say that that's a, a tarnished word in many senses and in many uses of it. But really, what we talk about with equal opportunity, whether it's racial, whether it's based on gender, whether it's based on religious practices, Whatever it's based around, we're really talking about allowing people to aspire to very normal things in society, just like anyone else would want to, and having the opportunity to do so. And a lot of the threat, the feeling of threat around this comes from the idea that, oh, well, now I'm actually going to have to try. Now I'm actually going to have to be better at something. I can't just rely on having it handed to me. There's this interesting thing where I wonder, for example, if you took men who complain about women having greater opportunity in the workforce and wanting to suppress that because they're worried about their jobs, if you took those same men and you presented them in a reality with which imagine if more men were just entering the job market. Imagine if there were more men who are competitive in that same segment of society. 
you wouldn't hear these men complaining about there being a flood in the market of other men who are competing for their jobs. And I think it's because when you're dealing with people who are so obviously in your same social bracket, you don't have a place to hang your hat. You don't have a place to put your judgment. The scapegoating becomes a lot harder and you can't just say, oh, well, it's women or oh, well, it's immigrants. You can't do that. It forces people to really face the notion of, I live in a competitive society and I need to stay up on my skills and I need to do what I can. It really forces people back into a, a frankly, a fairer and a more just assessment of their opportunities. If you've been enjoying the Gentleman Podcast, I'd like to ask you for your help. Growing a community and an online presence takes a lot of participation from listeners such as yourself to really help things take off. If you value this show and it has been meaningful in your life, help me out by doing one of the following. Leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Recommending it via word of mouth to your friends and family is another massive way that you can help this podcast grow. Following on social media and liking the content, Gentleman Podcast is our Instagram handle. You can also find us on YouTube at Gentleman Podcast, three words. I really appreciate your help and your support. It's one of the things that will help me to keep making this content and to keep making it better as well. Thank you. There's a lot of challenge in this whole conversation because the fact is that we live in societies and cultures that are fundamentally unjust and that the levels of unjustness go beyond sexism, they go beyond racism. Social class and the realities of our current economic models necessitate inequality and they necessitate injustice. And so when you have that kind of fundamental configuration at the basis of your society, it's not a great place from which to try to build just or functional systems. However, that doesn't mean that we can't make improvements. And that doesn't mean that focusing on any area, whether it's racism or sexism, it doesn't mean that we can't make gains, and it doesn't mean that those gains won't make a real difference in the lives of the people who are benefiting from that. The notion that allowing an, a less privileged class of people to have something they've been denied is going to mean that you're not going to have it anymore. That's a rhetoric which has been stoked and fueled and weaponized and used to control people and used to direct people who feel vulnerable towards doing hateful things and things which continue to keep society imbalanced. So I want to talk a little bit more about that particular thing, because we're seeing this a lot right now in the culture where there are, there are certain men's rights activists, there are certain segments of, of male culture, such as incel culture is a really perfect example. Incel, for those of you who may not know that term, means involuntarily celibate, and it pertains to a certain male archetype of the man who feels down on his luck and the man who feels unattractive and the man who feels socially awkward 
and the man who feels downtrodden and feels like he doesn't have access to dating in the same way that other men do and that he doesn't have access to certain confident male ideals of a being which other men have access to and thus this man has become involuntarily celibate not able to have relationships against his will it's a fundamentally sexist movement and it's a movement really founded around this idea of male disempowerment the fundamental thesis of the incel movement is that men who feel disempowered they come up with these thought structures for things that they should be entitled to things that are their right that they should be allowed to have and then a deep and long series of rationalizations around why they should be able to have those things and oftentimes it comes down to i should be able to have sex with women even if they don't want to have sex with me i should be able to do that because other men get to do that so why can't i do that too it's only fair there's a lot of this rhetoric around it's only fair and just like with anything else there's a certain kind of narrow truth in it which is yes everybody should have the right to have sex everybody should have the right to date everybody should have the right to have intimacy everybody should have the right to feel comfortable in social culture and to not be judged and downtrodden Unfortunately, a lot of men who end up calling themselves incels and voluntarily celibate are men who have been in some way or another abused, whether they've been called ugly, whether they've been made fun of their whole lives, maybe they've been held up against false and hurtful male standards such as um maybe they're not as athletic as some of the other men they know, maybe they're not as tall as some of the other men they know, maybe they don't feel as attractive as some of the other men they know. And so they have been hurt and they feel deeply misunderstood by their peers. And that's real. That's real. I don't want to minimize that. I don't want to say that anyone who deals with that or who struggles with that is coming from an illegitimate place. It is totally understandable that someone would end up feeling like they had been robbed of something or feeling like they've been unfairly denied something that other people get. There is a truth to that. There's a real fundamental human struggle there and I feel sympathy with that and I think that that needs to be acknowledged that needs to be in the conversation but there's a very fundamental line in the sand which is just because you feel like you deserve something doesn't mean you just get to have it and it certainly doesn't justify taking it just because you feel like you should have it just because you feel like you're lacking intimacy in your life just because you feel like you deserve to have sex doesn't mean that you deserve to take that from another person that's rape that's sexual assault it's violence it's an act of violence it's never justified sexual assault and sexual violence is never justified and so the thought that one should be allowed to behave that way it comes from a very deep and fundamental patriarchal notion of male entitlement it's really the idea that if i can't have something the fair way then i can have it the unfair way and that's fine i deserve it either way the ends of me having it justify the means of my taking it This is deeply 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 rooted in the whole patriarchal concept of the man and it's really at the heart of toxic masculinity. 
that fundamental assumption that men just deserve to take what they want is at the heart of a lot of male problems. So when we're talking about empowerment, I want to build this thread and talk about this tension between men feeling disempowered and then exhibiting these compensating behaviors to try to feel empowered again or to try to reclaim empowerment. So there's this kind of uh, there's this paradoxical tension or there's this fundamental irony, I would say, and it's a sad and a tragic irony, but an irony nevertheless which is that men who are empowered by patriarchy, but who feel disempowered because of some of the deeper effects of patriarchy, try to reclaim their power using some of the assumed power from patriarchy, and who ultimately end up feeling disempowered because it's not real empowerment that they're claiming, and it's not real empowerment that they're working on. So you get these weird vacillations between you look at someone who is at once claiming and taking a kind of power and wielding a kind of power, while also fundamentally lacking power as well, fundamentally acting from a place of fear, vulnerability, belittlement, shame, feeling scared. None of these things are synonymous with empowerment. You get these situations where men feel at once powerful and scared which is why terms such as empowerment become so difficult. They become so difficult to wield. If people are talking about concepts like feminine empowerment or women empowering themselves, and then you have this fallacious association with empowerment as something which tyrants wield, when power is a tyrannical construct, then you can see why people would feel consternation about anyone empowering themselves. However, if you're living in a culture where it's okay for men to be empowered, but it's not okay for anybody else to be empowered, then clearly it's an unjust and unfair and imbalanced system. Yet many men don't see it that way. And I think it really explains what we're seeing at the moment with this rise of the alt-right, for example, which is a younger segment around the world. It's fueled by a lot of men who feel disempowered, who want to feel more empowered, and who are seeking empowerment via various means. Now, when you contrast that with the kind of empowerment which a majority of feminists are seeking, for example, the language is very different. The language of feminism, to a large extent, is centered around concepts such as equality. It's a kind of empowerment which is centered in bringing people up instead of tearing them down. It's centered in women and everybody having access to the things that men have access to and being protected from the things that men are protected from. It's just a very different kind of a message. When the root of your cause or movement is based in an actual concept of empowerment, which is positive, which is pro, which is moving towards people having more, and which is based on a frank assessment of who hasn't had more, the feeling of it is very different. And I think that this is moving towards the kind of empowerment which I think of as true empowerment or healthy empowerment, which is really the root of the word for me. So there's a tension here. There's a tension. For me, the takeaway is ultimately that power, like so many things, is a tool. So the saying goes, with power comes responsibility. It's a wonderful saying, and it rings just as true now as it ever did. 
the more power you wield, the more responsibility and ultimately maturity and compassion and heartfulness and right thinking you need to wield your power properly, to make sure that your power is creating more justice in the world and not injustice. It takes an incredible amount of maturity to wield power responsibly, to have the kind of humility and the kind of vision for your life, for your community, for your country, for your culture, for humanity, to really act from a place of what is for the greatest good. And though opinions on what that is may differ, I think anybody who is really heartfully pursuing that question and pursuing that question from a place of feeling like all humans should be equal, should have equal opportunity, that all humans deserve the same rights. When you're coming from that place, I think it's a better place to be coming from, and I think that the outcomes will be better. So thank you for listening to another episode, and I hope you'll join me next week. Bye-bye.